to another show of the minor leaguers with Brett Black and Jane Jones. Uh, we're planning to chat a fair bit, uh, including talking about the mistake it made last podcast of the Toronto Six, uh, the NHL and its inclusiveness in hockey and sports altogether. And, uh, but first, we're going to start off the show with talking about the announcement the NHL just has recently made about the playoffs, and that is moving forward with 24 teams uh, moving in this year with the playoffs. Um, basically having the top four teams in each conference getting a buy into what technically would be the first round. And then all the teams in the conference that plays five through 12 to do a best three out of five series uh, to determine who gets in to the first round of playoffs. So it's not technically part of the playoffs, but it has that feel. Um, Now with how it was described and explained, there has been a lot of mixed reactions Jaden, what's your take on this? I I like it. It's it's something new that we obviously haven't seen before because this virus is is new to us. But um, I'm I I kind of like it. There was a couple of series that I wanted to, to focus on and that I thought would be really good TV and uh, it'd be really comp- a really good competition between the the four teams. So the first uh, the first series I want to focus on was the the Leafs and the Blue Jackets. Um, Thank God that the Leafs don't have Boston first round. They they might have them second round, but <laughs> um, uh, for right now, it's it's looking like the Leafs and Blue Jackets will be facing off in the first round. And I, I kind of thought about them. I was looking through both their rosters because um, a, after so long without any hockey, I, I kind of had to go back and remind myself who who the Leafs have, who they didn't have, who their goalies were, and it's. Uh, I I think I'm looking at the Leafs to take uh, to take that series. Um, if Frederick Anderson can steal them some games and if Tyson Berry, even though he's not looking like he's going to be a leaf next season, if he can kind of step it up offensively and, and give them some, um, some, some great pressure from the back end, then I think that they they'll have a really good chance, but you also have to have your big guys stepping up like Marner and Matthews and Nylander and, and Tavares, of course. So you need to have your, your, your big four kind of stepping up and providing that offensive presence against the blue jackets who them themselves have a very, very solid team. Cam Atkinson, you have um, Nick Foligno, Brandon Dubinsky, Boone Jenner, all these really, really – they have a very fast team, in, in my opinion. So very push, push the uh, offense, push the tempo kind of team. And uh, Leafs defensively have to, be, have to be ready for that. They also uh, – the Blue Jackets also have some scores. So I'm, uh, I'm really excited to see two – younger teams uh, uh, face off against each other and um, see who comes out on top. I have to be honest, that is, uh, it'll be an intriguing series. Now, with us both, with us both being uh, Maple Leafs fans, um, we understand that the last couple of years they made the playoffs. Uh, they run into Boston, and it's a first-round elimination. The last four times they actually have made the playoffs, they've always had to play Boston in the first round. And they take it to seven games, but it's just like they can't get over that hump. But what I like about this is that if they're taking on Columbus, when you look at Columbus, um, they are a team that is very similar to the Bruins in terms of physicality, how they play the game. And I think that it would be a, re- a really good warm-up for Toronto um, taking on Columbus. But um, to be honest with you, when I was, when I was looking at the matchups and who they'd be playing afterwards – I'm a, a little bit more interested 
and not seeing another Toronto-Boston series, but seeing a Columbus and Boston series and seeing those two teams play against each other, I feel like that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and two people that, that you're going to have to watch out for on uh, on Columbus who have just signed uh, two very, very nice contracts this year is uh, the, their, uh, their goalies, Corpusalo and uh, Merzlikis. Um, both goalies have been outstanding so far this season, uh, have been putting up huge numbers, huge save percentages, and uh, Elvis, their, their, their starting goalie, have, has been putting up, I think he had like – uh, two or three shutouts in a row uh, for a stretch of games. So, I mean, both unbelievably good young talent for uh, the Blue Jackets and that the, the Leafs are just going to have to to figure out. And like I said before, they're going to have to get some offensive pressure from their defense. Um, and with that being said, you also have to watch out for Columbus's forwards because they have some very, very good players too that have the playoff experience with uh, with. Uh, their run that they made last year against Tampa Bay and uh, going into the second round being huge underdogs. So it's, it's going to be a really good uh, series and and I'm excited to watch that one. That's for sure. Now, uh, uh, interestingly enough, if we were to look over to the West uh, conference, um, I was going to say the West coast, I guess technically the West coast. um, It's also the number eight, number nine seed being Calgary versus Winnipeg. uh, Their best three out of five series. I'm also excited for that one because I feel like there are two teams that are very competitive. They're both fairly young uh, in terms of some of the players they have. And it feels like they're, they're ready to prove themselves. With Winnipeg, they've had trouble kind of getting past the first round since uh, they moved from Atlanta. Calgary has been in that rebuild, but it feels like they've, they've, they should be past that point with uh, Monaghan. And Johnny Goudreau leading the way. Um, they have Giro Dano on the blue line, who's who's like uh, easily a num- top two defenseman in the NHL for his team. Uh, I feel like for them, it's it's going to be an interesting series because it's two teams, kind of the same storyline, but it's like who wants them more? Who's ready to prove themselves that they belong to be a contender for the Cup? Now, Winnipeg has had some success in recent years, but it feels like I, whenever they make it, you just it almost feels like they're not going all the way. You just kind of know that it's like they're a playoff team, but they're not a championship team. And I feel like both these Calgary and Winnipeg, they're looking to move on past that. Yeah, Winnipeg's got a Winnipeg has a lot of goal scorers on their team. Patrick Line, Adam Lowry, Brian Little, the the list goes on. Mark Shifley, all, all these goal scorers. And Calgary has a bit more of a, a tougher team that can can really apply apply pressure to um, the, the opponent's offensive players. Um, with that being said, I would love to see the, the Matthew Kachuk and Patrick Line matchup. I think that mm. Kachuk could be able to get the better of him if he kind of stays on him and, and kind of sticks to him like glue and doesn't let him get um, great offensive opportunities all the time. So, I mean, be a bit rough with Line A. Make sure that, you, that he knows that you're there to stay. And I think uh, offensively, I, I think that the Jets would would take that series, but it would be one of the the, the top series in the in the NHL for sure. Now I know when Bedman first announced that the NHL is planning to go ahead with twenty four teams, make it a little bit more competitive. Um, there are some concerns about 
where would the NHL continue? Now, there's about 10 hub cities they've identified, and they're kind of on... They haven't confirmed anything, but basically, from my understanding, is that they want a, uh, a city in the West, and they want a city in the East. And, but there's problems because, um, you know, about, like, with Canada, especially where if you're coming into the country... There needs to be a 14-day quarantine um, with some of the states even. Um, you know, the teams aren't staying at a resort. So, you know, they have to go through the city. Whereas compared to the NBA, when they've looked at talking about where they want to do the playoffs, it sounds like they're going to do the Eastern Conference at Disney World. And they're going to be doing the Western Conference in Las Vegas at the MGM Resorts and really quarantining all the players and teams from uh like from the city so they're completely separate but the nhl it just sounds like they're going to use random hotels across the city uh different practice facilities and things like um you know what's your take on that uh with the nhl and like what what would you think they should do moving forward with having all these random cities they've been throwing out yeah i mean i I like the idea of what the nba and how they're they're putting them in resorts in two completely different cities like disney world and vegas two two cities where you could put all the teams in one hub and they would still be distance uh, appropriately where, um, where the chances of them getting the virus are very low um, off the court. I think the NHL should do something like that. And I know that they've come out and said when they did, uh, when Batman uh, gave the return to play uh, game sheet kind of thing. Um, he said that the only way we're going to do it in Canada pretty much is that if, they uh, lift the restrictions on U.S. citizens coming in uh, and having to quarantine for 14 days. So I, it, it's looking like right now we're not going to be able to to host, be one of the hub cities for the NHL for the East. Um, Canada's not, um, anyways. But uh, it's looking like it's looking like the U.S. will uh, use both uh, for both the East and West. And if they could look somewhere like a Florida or uh, somewhere warmer that has uh, those kinds of resorts that's able to house a bunch of people uh, where they don't have to get um, they can stay on the resort not island but uh, stay in the re- resort's vicinity then I, I think that's what they need to do um, they should definitely be following the NBA's lead on that I I kind of agree because like part of me um, like going back and rewatching the address um he had a lot of good points about, you know, about like saying with the facts medically being like, you know, we can only do this um, following strict guidelines provided to us by the doctors. But it's just, it's, you know, the way that, and like, you know, going through different things and trying to find insiders, but you know, for the big thing with the NHL, it really does sound like that they've discussed like not keeping all the games into one place about wanting to use like NHL arenas, not, which, you know, I understand wanting to use a professional venue, but if you're planning on having all the teams in one space, I feel like, you know, what comes to mind is like a, almost a community rink where it's got like maybe two or three or four ice pads that you can use um, to, to be able to ensure that spacing, to ensure things like that. Um, what I also thought was very, also very interesting is that they talked about, you know, for example, if they were to play in Toronto, and with the Maple Leafs being in the playoffs, uh, that the players wouldn't be actually able to stay in their homes. They'd have to go and quarantine 
in hotels uh, like every other team to take away that sort of home ice advantage. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. I mean, I, I would, I, I wouldn't say that's the reason why they should be staying in the hotels. I would say the reason for them to be staying in the hotels is that if, the, say, one of the Leafs players goes home, right, and say his uh, his wife had went out to the grocery store that day and came back and say she somehow caught the virus, she can then give it to him, which then if he goes back to the rink, he could give it to other players. So when, when I think of that, like, I think if they're going to be quarantined, I think that they should be staying in the hotel for the just strictly the reason that they they can um, they can put a handle on uh, where the players are going, uh, what they're doing, who they're being exposed to, and that way they can contain the virus if an outbreak uh, happens. You know that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Um, a lot of the people that I've just seen arguing about it, uh, it's really just been the home ice advantage. Um, which, you know, I feel like seems silly, but, you know, there is a huge difference. I'm guessing you probably know this uh, as I know it, but a huge difference between sleeping in your own bed at home compared to sleeping in a hotel in a strange room. Um, Eventually you get used to it, but like if uh, you're trying to get settled and get in that playoff mentality, it can be weird. Now, talking about uh, the NBA, they haven't yet really opened up about when the playoffs will take place. They said that fans and, and teams and pretty much everyone involved involved around the association, they want to have some sort of conclusion for this season. But they don't, after seeing what the NHL has done, uh, it seems like there's a lot of pull on Twitter, at least, that they want teams to continue one through eight. And if you're not in the top 16 teams, so long, goodbye. Yeah, and I think this would be a great time for the NBA to test out a new playoff format. So if they did go with the, um, just the regular um, the regular format that they're rolling with now, and they've been doing for, for years now, then like that, that's fine and everything. But these are kind of these are special circumstances. And to me, this would be a perfect time to test out a new playoff format. Like, hey, let's go one to 16, the top records in the league. Um, based off of uh, numbers and, and winning percentages. So 1 to 16, um, 1 plays 16 in a series, then 2 plays 15, 3 plays 14, and so on and so on. I think that would be a great way to, to try it out. And like Kendrick Perkins said, to those 14 teams that, that, didn't, uh, that didn't make the playoffs or aren't in a playoff spot right now, well, that's too bad. You, you shouldn't, have, shouldn't have lost so many games, I guess. So I think this would be this would be a perfect time to te- for the NBA to test this theory out and see if this actually works and it's something that they can move forward with in the following years. You know, you kind of jumped ahead on me there because I was going to ask if they should do the one through sixteen, but um, you're saying instead of it being like the top eight teams in each conference and then putting them all together, uh, just taking the top sixteen teams total from both the East and the West and putting them together and doing it that way. Yeah, exactly. You know, I really do think that is uh, – I'd be interested to see that. I know it's kind of been floated around for the last couple of years about the NBA looking to try 1 through 16, but it, it's always involved having the top eight teams from each conference go forward. But I think, to me, that would be a little bit more interesting. 
Um, now kind of like off subject a little bit, but like looking forward into the future, um, depending on how long this pandemic lasts and until, uh, things can go back to even being slightly normal where we have fans again in arenas. Do you think that the playoffs might continue with this direction of having one hub city for the conference or for the league to play its final games out before the playoffs? Do you think that's going to be something that maybe we start to see more of? down the line instead of having teams play two nights in one city, take a day off to travel and go play two games in another city. Like, um, like, what do you mean? Like just having them do like, um, like more like series. Uh, so basically what I'm asking is that it's kind of like the Super Bowl where it's a neutral location. Um, the teams that make the playoffs, you basically lose home ice advantage and you stay in one city okay, okay, okay. to play to play your series. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that'd be an awesome idea, and and that way there'll be uh, less travel time, uh, most likely less injuries to the players because they're staying in one spot and they're not traveling as much and jet lag and um, more risk of injury if they're they're not properly stretching before their before their game and uh, before and after they get off the flight. So yeah, I think that that would be a really good idea. Or um, instead of just doing. Uh, say the playoffs in one specific city, you do them um, like March Madness and, and kind of spread them out. Um, but say do like two or three different cities have games in. I, I could see that. So you have one place maybe for um, whoever, like my suggestion for this is that if you're thinking of somewhere like the NHL where they do a divisional playoff series, whatever top team in the Atlantic gets to basically host the division for the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that'd be a great idea. And, and I'm sure that idea has been tossed around and who knows, maybe in the, in the coming years, we'll, we'll see that come to fruition. But um, yeah, it's uh, to me, it's a great idea and it, it, it'll definitely prevent the, the players from traveling, which I know that they'll appreciate because it, it does do it. It does take a toll on your body with, with always traveling and getting on planes and not knowing what city you're in. And especially, late late in the season when you got to really buckle down and focus if you're if you're staying in one city that definitely helps out a lot for sure um so it's interesting anyway to see that the nhl um laying out their plans so as far as we know um and from the reports that i've seen so far they are planning to continue um this playoff or play in format starting uh, sometime in july with uh training camps opening up mid-June. However, um, even like Ben Minutes said during the, the press release, is that it really does depend on what the doctors say is good and what we can and can't do. And really following the advice closely to ensure the players and everyone like that is okay. Um, only time will tell, honestly, with this, as excited as I am to think of sports returning and hockey, um, you also know, too, that uh, you know we just really have to wait and see with how this virus is and sports during COVID-19 it is kind of up in the air of what to expect. Um, moving on now to the NWHL and a little bit of an issue that I had last podcast. Uh, there is a reason why we call ourselves the minor leaguers. And that is because, you know, we are in some sorts professionals, but um, sometimes we do make mistakes. I'm calling myself out because Jane, you pointed this out, but I made a mistake with the, the Toronto six and saying they haven't signed anybody yet because when I everything I was seeing about was front office, 
But um, yeah, no, that is technically not true. <laughs> In fact, they pretty much have uh, a full roster. Now, um, I've done a little bit of homework into it, um, into the squad. I, I'll be honest where I didn't see much information about the players. Um, from the sounds of it and from some of the articles I've written, uh, they're a very deep young squad who have some professional experience, but uh, there's room for them to grow. Uh, now, Jaden, I know that you wanted to talk a little bit more about it um, and, and for calling me. And thank you for calling me out on this. Hey, anytime. I got your back, man. Um, yeah, so, so they, they have signed a bunch of players already. Um, the one um, player that, that really stood out to me was Kelly Babstock. Five uh, seven from Mississauga, and she uh, she played the first four seasons in the NWHL, th- the first three as a member of the Connecticut Whale, um, and then the Buffalo Buttes. Um, in sixty five games over her pro career, she's had twenty seven goals and thirty three assists for sixty points. So, sixty points in sixty five games. I mean, that's a very very good uh, good percentage to have. And uh, I, I think she's going to be a very good power forward for um, for the Toronto Six. And uh, she's really going to bring some spark to that offensive lineup. Um, for sure. And I actually, I just have her stats here in front of me. Um, she looks like in the playoffs, uh, a very strong um, playoff performer in seven games within the NWHL. She has four points in seven games. And then before that, when she was part of the PWHL, uh, which is also the Provincial Women's Hockey League, um, she looked like a standout in the playoffs for them. Uh, Her first season season in the playoffs with the Toronto Junior Arrows averaged nine points in seven games. Her most was in her final season, which was uh, 13 points in seven games. And then... You know, looking like a solid player, even when she was uh, in the N double C or uh, the N C double A, I'm all over the place on that point team brand right now. Um, but very strong in points. Like every year, she's uh, she's more than a points per game player. So um, for sure, that'll be something to watch for. Brooke Bopiste uh, is also a point per game player. Forty nine points in forty one games. She led the team. Uh, also another forward. So there's there's going to be some really solid players on the team. Uh, like I said last podcast, I'm excited for them to start dropping uh, team merch because I'm definitely going to get get me a sweater. Uh, I'm, I'm a sweater guy for those who don't know. So it's it's going to be very uh, very fun for them to start dropping merch, start start telling us more about the players' personalities and what we can expect from them uh, going forward and uh, what their team's going to going to really shape up to be uh when the season starts up again and i and as well i'll I'll throw this out there is you know with the nwhl um i've always been aware of the league i know that uh, it's existed but uh because it's always been american um we don't really get a chance to to see it covered here in canada and even with the love that was shown to cwhl or the canadian women's hockey league um there was like nothing um, lately on Sportsnet, there's been a lot of old games being aired. Uh, but it's it's just it's all the same as when the league was around. So you know, I'm kind of I'm excited to see it play. Um, it'll be fun to see to to see a, another professional league come to Canada 
that's actually stronger than what the CWHL looked, at least when it came to the front office. And I'm excited to see the team and excited to, to see and experience new players. Because I think more than anything, when you have a new team that comes to your city, it's about learning the players, learning their skill sets, developing new favorites. And, you know, I'm excited to see what this team can do when the NWHL is finally able to return. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So uh, we're going to move on now to, I don't want to call it controversial because it's not, um, but a little bit more uh, of a heavier conversation um, about professional sports and the inclusiveness, especially when it comes to the NHL. And uh, Jane, I'll, I'll let you take over from here. Yeah, so I'd seen a, a post the other day that TSN had put up and um, a couple of their uh, reporters, Rick Westhead and Mark Masters, uh, had the opportunity to interview uh, San Jose forward Evander Kane and North York Rangers AAA forward Miles Douglas about racism in sports and, and in particular uh, racism in hockey. Now, this kind of hit a, hit a soft spot with me because I am a minority um, who played hockey growing up, uh, ice hockey, ball hockey. And ha- I- I've been around hockey um, all of my life. And so this, uh, w- this one story that uh, the, the Rangers uh, forward Miles Douglas gave, it-, it-, it really shocked me. And how, how he handled it, I, was- I would not be surprised that a lot of people did. Um, sorry, how he handled it, it, I wouldn't be surprised that a lot of people would do the same. So he said that when uh, about half the game, sometimes when he's in, when he's in the corners or going after a puck, and there's a guy right on him, they would um, start start calling him the N word or saying you shouldn't be here, and, and it would be out of the it would be out of the um, earshot of the referee, so they couldn't do nothing, and he couldn't tell his coaches because the coaches are just going to say, okay, I'll talk to the refs, and the refs are going to say, okay, we'll listen out for it, and and nothing's really going to come of it because the kids are always calling him the N-words and saying all these racial slurs in the corners where the refs can't hear. So this really this really rubbed me the wrong way because there's been so many professional hockey players of, uh, of minority descent where you, you would expect it to be out of the game by now because all, everyone's always saying, oh, hockey's an uh, inclusive sport and um, hockey's the greatest sport in the world, but it, it has its flaws, just like uh, Miles Douglas is explaining right now. You, you have guys like Evander Kane, P.K. Subban, Ryan Reeves. Um, let, throw it back to Willie O'Ree, who, who started it all for, for the black community playing hockey. And, and actually, just want to give a shout-out to Willie O'Ree because today he was named to the Canada Sports Hall of Fame, which is a huge honor. Mm-hmm. But you've had all these great black players and yet in the um, minor hockey system you have kids throwing at the n-words towards black players it's not it's it's just not right and to me I, I've never experienced it growing up no one's ever um, called me the n-word in the, in the midst of a competition but I mean it's it's just so shocking and, and I and I feel for for miles Douglas and, and what he's been going through through his uh, minor hockey career trying to make it to the big leagues and it's it's just very sad and, and it's it's very hard to hard to hear that things like this are still going on in today's game uh yeah and i mean um like you uh, obviously a little bit different for me because um you know 
I'm white and things are obviously different uh, in some aspects. But growing up, because um, I know you grew up in, you played hockey in Belleville, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so I, I know, like, if you if you ever visit Belleville, it is, I won't say it's a melting pot of different cultures, that's for sure. Um, but growing up, uh, when I was playing hockey, we'd go to Brampton, and there was definitely a lot of different ethnicities. And, you know, I can definitely vouch for not every hockey player is like that mindset where they're saying things, but I can all, I can definitely say like there's some things that were said on the ice that really have no room in the game. Um, I understand that there's there's trash talk, and you sometimes want to get under someone's skin, but but there is kind of rules when it comes to that sportsmanship about you know just this lines where you don't cross, and I can definitely say growing up playing hockey in the city and playing, um, you know, against different people from backgrounds, religions, ethnicities, uh, things were definitely said that shouldn't have been said. Um, I know there was one game that we played a couple years ago where there was actually um, one of the teams had their, their top goaltender was a female and uh, a couple guys on our teams, they said some uh, pretty, pretty rude things. Um, so it's in the game of hockey. And it's like, you know, it shouldn't be there, but it's there. I just, I don't know how you can get rid of it. Um, other than, like, the coaches really need to, like, be like, okay, well, listen, we're not doing this. Like, you know, about benching players and saying you have to watch what you say. Yeah, there needs to be more action taken. And and what Miles Douglas said in the interview was that, um, that he wouldn't really do anything. He, he like after after the person would call him the name, he would like look at them like like wow, you really just said that, and he he wouldn't say anything back. Like he wouldn't say anything. He just kind of give him that look, and he would skate away knowing that he's got their number. And if he sees them in the corner again, he's gonna hit him. And I I gotta give it up to him because I don't think I would have that much restraint. I'm a very patient person when it comes to most things and I let things go and I'm like, you know what, either that person's had a bad day or if something happens, I'll, I'll brush it off. But if someone called me the N word on the hockey ice and my adrenaline is pumping, I, I would probably do something that I would regret, whether that's giving them a cross check to the face or, or, or just wanting to drop the gloves and, 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 and beat, beat the crap out of them. You know what, you know what I'm saying? So it's, yeah. Now I, I've, uh, I've had, players that, that have been on my teams that I know have my back in, in all sorts of sports, basketball, baseball, hockey. And, and in fact, uh, I remember playing um, hockey years ago and um, we, we, a close uh, family friend of mine was also on my team and he was on my line. And um, we, um, after the whistle went, uh, me and this guy were pushing back and forth and the guy popped me in the face. And so like, I kind of stumbled back a little bit and um, I, I fell and when, as I was getting back up, I turned around, and lo and behold, my the family friend that, that I was close to is got the guy on the ground and just feeding him fists to the face, like one, <laughs> two, one, two, like nonstop until the ref came and broke him up. And, like, it was just like, it was just like that. So, I mean, I, I've, I've had a lot of good people in my corner, but I, I haven't had someone come up to me and blatantly call me that word and, and – in the middle of a game. And I, I really got, I feel for, for miles Douglas. And if, 
it can't happen in today's game. There needs to be action taken. There needs to be consequences for those that are saying the the, the racial slurs and um, just being totally out of line. There, there needs to be action taken. There needs to be punishments handed out. And this, this can't happen anymore. It's 2020. R- racism needs to be dead. I know it's, it will probably never die, but it, in the game of hockey, it needs to go. Well, I mean, even when, um, you know, talking about minor hockey, uh, and from my experience, if something was ever said that was, was off-collar or it was over the boards, uh, very simply, our coach would be like, listen, this is what we're going to do. You dump the puck in, you let him go skate in after it first, and then you just run him. And, you know, the, the point of that was, was to hurt them, was to injure them, get them off the ice, um, to really send a point, or it was, you know, to fight. Um, but even, you know, that can only curb things so much. But the thing is, is that, you know, even it's got to, it's got to stop. And I don't know if I really feel like it's got coming from the coaches about laying their groundwork about this is how a team works. This is like, you know, we're all for one. And secondly, the biggest thing that I've learned throughout the years is that if you're planning to chirp, or even if it's like, there's something you got to say, just keep your mouth shut. Like if you're if you feel like you want to say something against someone's head, just you know prove it with your play, and I think that's the biggest part. But you know maybe even looking at some examples with the NHL, uh, and some of the stories that have came out recently about you know some of the things that have been said in locker rooms, some of the things that have been said on the ice, and even you know this. Uh, as far as I know, there was no things about race with uh, Brandon Lipsick, but even with them um, with players talking trash about their own teammates and, and saying all these things. Like, you know, at the same time, I feel like the NHL for a long time has gotten away with, with not making a point of having to discipline players because it's always been like, listen, we'll, we'll keep it private. We'll keep it, like, in behind closed doors. We'll keep it just in here, and we'll deal with it. But it's never had to take this larger exposure before, like we've seen in leagues with the NFL and the NBA. Yeah, and you know what the the thing is that these guys and these players that are saying this stuff to uh, the minority players, if they if those two were, were walking towards each other on, on the sidewalk, that they wouldn't the, the guy wouldn't say nothing to to the minority. He he would not say one person to to the black guy, or sorry, he would not say one thing sorry to the black guy. He would just keep walking. So if you're not gonna say it to me on the street like a man then don't say it to me at all. And uh, one, one yeah. more thing before we get off this subject and, and we move on. I just want to say uh, rest in peace to, to George Floyd in, in Minnesota who, who had died um, because of the, the officer murdering him by putting his knee on it, on his neck for multiple minutes. And it's, I, I've seen yeah. the video. It's been going viral. It's, it's been on my mind for the past 24 hours or, or 48 hours or whenever I first saw it. It's been on my mind. It's been all over the news. I feel so bad for for his family and friends and those who knew him because from what I hear, he's, he he was an amazing an amazing guy. Would give the shirt off his back for anyone. And it, his his death is just it's it's awful. It's tragic. And I hope the officer pays for what he did because that it's there, there's too much of that going on in today's world, and we we can't have those people around. Absolutely not. Um... And yeah, my my thoughts are with you. I've I've seen the video about the events leading uh, up before the event and the actual video itself. And 
you know, everything about what happened could have been avoided um, by the police. There's no reason for that action. There's no reason for why they should have reacted that way. And even the part when he was saying, like, I can't breathe, that should be enough to be like, okay, well, let me move. And, and you know, even when they're saying, oh, he was resisting, he wasn't. Like, it's just, it's just a horrible, horrible thing that happened. And, you know, I do hope that, you know, they said, I think of, as of right now, not to, to get too much into politics with it, but they said they fired the four officers that were there. But really, there, there should be charges being laid. You know, firing someone over someone's life is, is not enough. No, not at all. I, I definitely hope, like you said, I hope that there are charges laid and I hope they get arrested. And the, the people in prison know, know what those uh, convicts did and that they, that they um, do with that information as they will. And we will leave it at that, yeah. uh, not to go too much further into it. Um, we're going to move in now to our question of the podcast. Uh, this one will... Um, there's a couple. Well, well, we talked about uh, last week uh, the, the NHL playoffs when the news kind of first broke about how they wanted to go with um, the 2014 playoffs. But now the NBA, now that there's been a little bit of chatter around uh, what they want to do with the playoffs, uh, what do you think should happen with the NBA playoffs? Uh, that's a question on the podcast. Do you think they should do the one in sixteen? Do you think it's one in eight uh, as they would normally do it? Uh, what do you think, Jane? Before uh, we end the podcast today, one to sixteen, try it out, new method. If it doesn't work, then don't do it again. I think, but this is the time right now to uh, to make this a trial run. And if it if it works, great, use it for the years to come. But if it if it doesn't work out and and it uh, fails miserably, then go back to the old way. I am a hundred percent with you. Um, I think that you know you've talked about doing something like one in sixteen for the last couple of years, but you've never been really sure about it. You have all the teams in one spot. I think it might be easier if you were planning to do it at like MGM Resorts or, or uh, Disney World. I think that it would be interesting to see. I think you'll see different matchups. I think it'd be fun to watch. And, and to be honest, if you were to look at the prediction of the Western Conference Final, which would have been the Clippers and the Lakers, but then you flip that over and see it in the NBA Final, and really the top two teams going against each other, that would be fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. And it, it would be really cool to see all this, um, obviously not this year, but um, say this this was like last year if this happened and um, see all the celebrities courtside in L.A. Like the um, – L.A. would be the mecca of basketball um, for that for that weekend or, or sorry, not for that weekend, for, for those two weeks that the series was going on for it. I think it would be really cool. But, yeah, I mean a lot of people – would love to see the Clippers versus the Lakers for the, for the championship. Best of the best. Uh, absolutely. Um, before we uh, we get out of here, did you want to plug your socials quickly? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Jaden G. Jones and on Instagram at underscore Jaden G. Jones. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Black, And as well, follow us and stay up to date with all things sports with our Twitter at underscore minor leaguers. Um, Thanks again. We'll uh, talk to you soon. And, uh, you know, again, thank you to all our healthcare workers that are out there working the front lines um, during this. We know that, especially here in Canada, things have become a lot more relaxed and people are starting to get a little bit more loose, but the pandemic is still ongoing. Um, There's still no vaccine yet. And, you know, it's really, 
is a waiting game with how things are working. So again, thank you for showing up to work, doing what you do. Uh, and it means a lot. And for sure, we'll uh, talk to you.